This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black today, an Odyssey Original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders, the eight and nine Las Vegas Raiders. That's where they end up the 2023 season. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday edition of the show. Scott Goldbranson, along with my partner Mo Moten, he is the senior NFL writer. Athlete to report. You can also catch his Raiders column once a week up on sportsnot.com. You can also catch my written work on Sportsnot as well, where I cover the NFL and other stuff as it comes up, including the Raiders. So we appreciate you guys being with us. Of course, the Raiders 27-14 winners against the Denver Broncos. They make it eight in a row over their division rivals and uh go out on a high note, which is good. And Mo, remember in the preseason. We predicted seven wins, eight wins, like a ceiling. And they come in with eight wins, despite all the turmoil, despite firing their coach and GM midway through the year. The Raiders do pretty get dang good towards the end of the season. The offense is still broken. Let's not get dissuaded from addressing that because, yes, the offense did really well for once against the Broncos. But... It still needs to be fixed, but you have to like the way this team rallied around another one another. It reminded me of 2021, obviously for different reasons under Rich Basaccia, but it was the same sort of feel where the big change comes. They get somebody in there who's much more of a player's coach and they rally behind him and go out and play better football overall. They finish under Antonio Pierce with a record of five and four. That, of course, brings up, Mo, that it's all about the coaching search right now. Of course, everybody that wants to see Antonio Pierce, there's lots of them, as the permanent head coach, feel like he's deserved it for what he's done over nine games. 
they would like him coach today. Of course, we know, and I wrote a story up on SportsNot about the Rooney rule. You can't just hire him, even though he's African-American. You can't just hire him. You have to go through the entire process. And that includes minority candidates outside the organization, not just inside the organization. So we'll let that process play out. But I want to start with this because it is an emotional hot button. If you heard our postgame show with Murph, he got into it a lot. And they were, of course, Raiders fan radio. They were fans. But, Mo, when we look at the situation here, uh, Antonio Pierce, I think, ended strongly. The Colts' loss was a rough one, but he comes back home in front of the home crowd. They're chanting his name. And for some fans, it doesn't seem like there's any other option. What, what do you feel about this? And tell me a little bit about your assessment of where we are with Antonio Pierce. I'll start off by saying I think he's earned strong consideration for the job. If, if it were me, you're asking for my head coaching list. I put this out on the X, I believe, last week. Jim Harbaugh would be my number one option. Mm. If Jim Harbaugh says and chooses another job or goes back to Michigan, today Antonio Pierce would be my second option, pending who he would hire as his offensive coordinator. I think people are glossing over this. His choice as an offensive coordinator is crucial because that offensive coordinator play caller is going to be responsible for the development of what I think is going to be a rookie quarterback that the Raiders will draft this offseason. So depending on who he wants to bring as his OC, it's going to, it's going to tilt my decision one way or another. Yeah. Now, I mentioned that he brought in Adam Gase as a mentor. I guess you could say hard agree, but hard agree worked under Adam Gase, so it makes sense that he would bring in Adam Gase. But if he's thinking about running it back with Bo Hardigree and or bringing in Adam Gase as his permanent OC, I would be a bit worried about that combination. Simply because Adam Gase, after he parted ways with Peyton Manning, they were together in Denver. After that, he made stops in Miami, Chicago, and with the Jets. And none of Adam Gase's offenses were ranked 17th or higher in scoring or total yards per game. So if he mentions Adam Gase or Bohard agree, I'm, I'm, I may say I have to look somewhere else. Now, that may not be his choice. He may have just brought in Adam Gase to tutor mentor mm-hmm. Bohard agree. Mm-hmm. So he may have his own option as an OC, whoever that may be. But that decision is going to be crucial. If not Antonio Pierce, if I don't like Antonio Pierce's offensive coordinator suggestion, then I open the net to guys like Frank Smith, Dave Canales who's in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, any any offensive minded um, potential head coach simply because, again, it's going to be important for the Raiders to develop their quarterback. So Harbaugh, Antonio Pierce, Dave Canals, Frank Smith, uh, another offensive mind that's available. And also a dark horse candidate would be Dan Quinn, because I know Dan Quinn can build a coaching staff. I want to reiterate this. Dan Quinn had. Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, Raheem Morris, he had all those guys on the same staff. He has a track record and history of building quality coach staffs, and that's what the Raiders need going into this. So that would be my list. And, 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 and very well said. And I think, too, again, and, and you probably saw, and I was texting you because I engaged with a lot of people about this question. I did a video on game day about Jim Harbaugh and why I felt he would be the best choice. Now, we don't know if Jim Harbaugh wants to coach the Raiders, We don't know if the Raiders would hire Jim Harbaugh. We don't know if Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. Now, I did a couple interviews last week where beat writers in Ann Arbor told me they believe he's gone. They believe no matter what happens, uh, no matter what happened with the game on Monday, that he was going to leave. So we'll see if that happens based on what happened yesterday in the game. But I will tell you that 
it's interesting because look, I have no problem with people saying, Hey, look, I, I want Antonio Pierce's coach. I don't want anybody else. Here's the reasons why. To your point, I think that there's some nuances here because when you hire a head coach, and you touched on it, when you hire a head coach, you're not just hiring him, okay? You're hiring him to not only be the CEO of football. It doesn't matter. Yes, he can motivate guys. Yes, they love him. They want to play for him. That's awesome. And and, and that's all true about Antonio Pierce. You can't argue with that because the players are speaking for themselves. But it comes down to also filling up a staff. And you say, well, he was a Super Bowl champion. He played for the Giants. How He'd be able to get a staff together quickly. Not so. It comes with coaching and experience. And I think that you have guys that are able to do it. I had somebody tell me that Jim Harbaugh couldn't do it. I was like, wait a minute. Do you understand that Jim Harbaugh's former defensive coordinator is now the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens? The best team in the NFL right now? Mike McDonald, right? Coach with him at Michigan. So, so the point is there's a lot of nuances here. And I got no problem with people wanting Antonio Pierce to be the coach. But that's based on what is the candidate pool? Some, some folks including some folks in the media, and I know the players too, I, I, they, they spent time together in the locker room. He saved them from Josh McDaniels, for Christ's sake. So I get it. But you don't know who the candidate pool is. And if you say, I don't care what the candidate pool is, he's one of us, hire him. That's myopic. You have to be able to see what's out there. Look, I think Antonio Pierce, I've said it numerous times. People want to tell me I hate the guy. What? I've given him nothing but credit. But you look at the, the way he ended, five and four, three and one in the AFC West. Those wins against the Giants, Tommy DeVito at quarterback, the Jets, Zach Wilson at quarterback, the Chargers, Easton Stick at quarterback, the Chiefs with Mahomes at quarterback, great win, and the Broncos with Jared Stidham. Lost to Mahomes, Tua, Dobbs, Mullins, and Minshew. And the only reason I bring that up is not to belittle the wins. It's to talk about how in every situation, Mo, and I want your comment on this, there's pros and cons to every candidate. Doesn't matter who they are. Jim Harbaugh has his cons too. Most of the cons that people talk about with Jim Harbaugh aren't based in reality, but he has them, as does Antonio Pierce. So when you look at this situation, I understand fans, they're very excited. They're, they feel like, as Murph said on the postgame, Mo, like the fans have come together around Antonio Pierce. And I get that. But in, in situations, just like with Rich Passaccia, there's very similar but different situations you're in a trauma things are going poorly someone comes in it's a breath of fresh air he's a he's a he's a stand-up guy a good leader unlike josh mcdaniels and of course the gruden thing was a weird deal of course you're going to feel that way how could you not feel that way now if they'd gone oh and nine different story i get it but the reality was this team was never as bad as josh mcdaniels had them playing yeah I, and I'll say this again. A lot of people had their ears winning three or four games. Right. And and even under Josh McDaniels, they had already won three by half by the halfway point of the season. Right. And I said this this roster is too talented to just finish the season at three and fourteen or four and thirteen. Right. Remember, we we had respectable reporters and writers who I respect say, Where are the wins for the Raiders? Yep. I don't see more than two to three, three to four. And covering the team, I said, look, you got Devontae Adams, you brought in Jacoby Myers, you got Josh Jacobs. Uh, I would I was assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo would look a lot better than he did. He didn't. So um, they moved on with Aiden O'Connell when Antonio Pierce took over. But still, the Raiders had too much offensive firepower. And then Patrick Graham brings together the defense the way it, it had been playing. 
Antonio Pierce adds on the swag. Now we didn't anticipate Antonio Pierce taking over for Josh McDaniels, but it happened. Mm-hmm. So my my point to bring up all of this is that he took a team that was three and five. Antonio Pierce took a team that was three and five, seemingly going nowhere. Gave it some juice, gave it some swagger. You have to give him some credit for that, and that's why I think he's earned, in my opinion, the number two spot behind Jim Harbaugh. So because Jim Harbaugh has done it on both levels. There are very few resumes out there right now that compare to Jim Harbaugh. So this is not a knock against Antonio Pierce, but Jim Harbaugh has one of the best coaching resumes out there, college to pro. Now, I would, like I said, I would say Antonio Pierce being the leader of men that he's shown to be, he has the buy-in of the players. We saw development under Antonio Pierce on the defensive side of the ball. We saw Trey Tucker get more involved. We saw Michael Mayer get more involved. We started to see more creative play calling, even with Bo Hardigree. I think Antonio Pierce has the ear of Bo Hardigree when it comes to the vision of the offense. We talked about that during the offseason. I mean, during the season that even though Antonio Pierce isn't calling plays, he could definitely pull Bo Hardigree aside and make some suggestions. I think his suggestions were in there because – at times, the Raiders were aggressive, and I think that's part of what Antonio Pierce brings to a football team if he is the head coach. So the style of coaching, the player development, the player buy-in, 5-4, and four, I think that game was important for him to win on Sunday, yeah. ending 5-4. and four. I think all of that plays in Antonio Pierce's favor, and that's why – and I said this on the X. I said, while Jim Harbaugh is my number one option, I think Antonio Pierce is the most realistic option and a very good one. It's not, I wouldn't say it's settling. It's still, to me, a good option. Again, pending who he wants as his offensive coordinator because it's an important, it's going to be an important job for the Raiders going forward. Right. And and I don't disagree. I think he's a finalist. I, I, I've said that all along, especially uh, yesterday, or excuse me, on Sunday when, when, when they won. But I will say this too. It's much different coming in in relief as it is starting and running the entire program. We don't know. Now, I'm not saying can't look at John Harbaugh in 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 Baltimore. John Harbaugh didn't have any head coaching experience or defensive coordinator position experience either. But that's one outlier. It usually doesn't happen and I've said it over and over again and there's always there's always exceptions. I get that. But if you look at situations similar to this, every other time that the coach has been retained as the permanent head coach, it's never worked out. The only example of it working out was Jason Garrett. Okay, so you look at that and and I go back to your point that you have to look at the available candidate pool. I'm obviously on the record thinking, saying that if, if Jim Harbaugh wants to come to the Raiders and they can come to an agreement, that that would be the first choice on my end, too. That is not a an indictment of Antonio Pierce. Okay, but the, the the dishonesty in the equation, if you just say, hey, I want him, I don't care about anything else, whatever, fine. But the dishonesty of reasons why people don't want Jim Harbaugh, there's plenty of reasons why you don't want him, cost, this, that. But so much of it is conjecture based on stuff that doesn't matter. I had people tell me that Jim Harbaugh hasn't done anything because he hasn't won a championship. That's ignoring everything. So, so if you judge that, then Antonio Pierce is disqualified as well. He has not won a championship either. So you can't, you can't throw that stuff around. It's got to be equitable as far as if you're going to compare people to one another, you just compare the resumes. That's it. That's what you have to do. Now, Mark Davis makes this decision, Mo. And before we go to the break here, he's going to have to do it. This is going to be a topic of discussion until he makes a choice. He's got to go through the Rooney rule process. Okay. But um, my my guess is even if, if, if Jim Harbaugh is interested – 
I think Mark Davis is a feel good guy. I think he'll hire Antonio Pierce. I, I, I do. I don't think it's the right approach, but we'll have to see how it goes out. When you look at this process, um, how do you think, how do you think it goes down? If you're asking me today, I think Antonio Pierce gets the job so because, mm -hmm. as I said, I think he's the most realistic option right now. He seems pretty confident because he said after the game, see you see you next season, basically. Devontae has kind of said the same thing. So maybe it's maybe it's speaking, hoping, hoping to speak something into existence, as they say. Sure. But one thing I will one thing I will note, though, with this whole Jim Harbaugh versus Antonio Pierce dis discussion debate. There are a lot of people who are either or people. Right. Where if I if I like this candidate, I have to dislike the other candidate. And that's not where I am. And I think that's where a lot of people come at it from. Where Correct. If I like Antonio Pierce, I have to dislike Jim Harbaugh. If I like Jim Harbaugh, I have to dislike Antonio Pierce. I'll say this again. I think it's one and two. Harbaugh one, Pierce right. two. I like both candidates for different reasons. I wouldn't be upset if, if Mark Davis hired either one of those guys. Right. But I'm choosing the guy who's turned around every program he's been with. He turned around San Diego. He Jim Harbaugh turned around San Diego. He turned around Stanford. He turned around the 49ers. He turned around Michigan. So he has a record of turning around progress and not just taking four years to do it. He's done it in one, two years in, at each stop. Yep. So for the fans who are worried about a long rebuild, Harbaugh has not only turned around progress, but he's done it in one to two years. So if you yeah. follow that pattern, you wouldn't be looking at a, a, a three, four-year plan. You'd be hoping that he could do it again at another stop and turn it around by twenty by the end of 2024, early 2025. So I, I would say if you're if you're in the camp of Antonio Pierce, fine. If you're in the camp of, of, of Jim Harbaugh, fine. But just because you back one head coaching candidate doesn't mean that you have to hate or dislike the other one. Correct. And that's the thing, too. I, I found so much of the rumor mill stuff, that's what people are basing their opinion on why Harbaugh was a bad option, a bad option. He's not even worth it because he was run out of San Francisco. Well, no, he had him and the CEO didn't get along. If you don't get along with your boss, it doesn't matter how good of a job you're doing, <laughs> right? Because you don't have a relationship. Relationships are everything. So read, if even if you are in the Antonio Pierce camp, just go read about the history of Jim Harbaugh, what he's done and why he left San Francisco and how he inherited, somebody tell me, well, he inherited so-and-so's team and that's who he took to the Super Bowl. No, he inherited a 6-10 and 10 team. 6-10. and 10. And the next year, the very first year, 2011, went to the NFC Championship game and was coach of the year. That's not right. That's not the Gruden uh, coattail thing in Tampa. That's a whole different thing. He didn't walk into a team that was ready to go. He had to go in there and turn things around, and he did. So we'll see. But we're going to talk lots about this in the coming weeks, I'm sure, Mo. So we'll we'll uh, move off from this. But we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back here on Silver and Black today, we're going to talk about the 2023 Raiders expectations. Mo talked about how a lot of people picked them to win two or three games. We're going to talk about that as we roll on with this Tuesday edition. You're with Scott and Mo. This is Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, we're looking back at the 2023 season since it's now in the books. Week 18 is complete. The Raiders, of course, go out on top. They win and get within one win of getting over 500 since you can't be 500 anymore in the NFL. You have to be either 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine they were 8-9, and nine and uh, we're talking about expectations. Did they meet them? Did they surpass them? What happened? I am Scott Cobranson. I'm joined by Mo Moat and my co-host. We are here talking Raiders football. Do us a favor. Make sure you follow Mo up on X.com. Keep him company. He gets lonely sometimes. M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB today. Okay, Mo, we talked about it a little bit in the first segment, but I, I predicted seven wins. I think you predicted six or seven wins, right? So this team wins eight games, which when they were sitting there at three and five and they jettisoned Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler... Who knew what was going to happen, right? You expected a bump a couple games because when you have a coaching switch like that, usually it goes that way. But the fact that the Raiders finished one game over 500, the final nine games of the season was encouraging. We saw the defensive progress, which was on full display Sunday against the Broncos. Again, Malcolm Kuntz's growth, Divine Diablo's growth, Robert Spillane's growth has been fantastic. Um in my view, this team, with the exception of the offense, which we'll get to sec in a second separately, this team overall at eight and nine surpassed my expectations because of how well that defense developed. All right, surpassed my expectations too because I was in the six or seven wins camp, so I was 
So they were one win better than what I expected. Still in the same ballpark. But again, we no one predicted that Antonio Pierce would take over for Josh McDaniels. So I don't know what I would have predicted had I known that Josh McDaniels would get fired halfway through. <laughs> but um, it, it just goes back to my point about this team being better than a basement-dwelling 3-4 win team, which a lot of people thought they the Raiders were. And maybe a lot of that is attached to Josh McDaniels' little faith in Josh McDaniels. I understand that. But it's clear that this team, I don't want to say it's a it's one piece away from a Super Bowl contender, but it shows that this team is not, you know, one of the, the bottom feeding teams in the league. Assuming that they keep a lot of their key parts. Now, Josh Jacobs, you know, may go elsewhere in free agency. He has an expiring contract. We'll see about that. But looking at the defense, and and I think it's important to note that Patrick Graham is probably going to go on some interviews this offseason. Oh, yeah. I don't think he'll get a head coaching job. But I do think he'll get some interviews. If 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 Antonio Pierce isn't retained, he may make a lateral move if he's if he's not on board with the new head coach. Not I don't want to say not on board, but if the new head coach wants a different defensive coordinator, uh, he could be elsewhere. So I I I sincerely hope that Patrick Graham is retained simply because we haven't seen a Raider defense this good statistically in terms of total yards and scoring in two decades. So <laughs> Uh, I, this Raider defense has carried this team through a lot of the season. There were times where, and we'll talk about the offense, there were times where Aiden O'Connell wasn't on target. The offense wasn't scoring for stretches, long, long stretches, and the defense scored touchdowns. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. how they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, was, was mostly the defense scoring two defensive touchdowns in Arrowhead. So I, while I'm, I'm optimistic about the defense and the growth of guys like Malcolm Kuntz, and even Tyree Wilson, who didn't have a massive jump in, in, in from between the first half of the second season and the second half of the season, had some bright moments. Uh, and there are some moments where I can say, okay, Tyree Wilson could become a starter and a, and a player who can play inside and outside and give the Raiders a push up front. I'm encouraged by a lot of what I've seen on defense. My only worry, as I said, is that they lose Patrick Graham and, and they bring in a new coordinator and things kind of have to reshuffle for that side of the ball and then you're going to have guys maybe having to fit into another scheme and having to learn a new scheme and get used to playing in that scheme and then you may have some drop off but for the most part you could see the young pieces on on that side of the ball you could see Robert Spillane being the centerpiece of that defense I think they still need another linebacker but you're even encouraged by guys like Trayvon Merrick who had the game ceiling interception on Sunday and now uh, still Nate Hobbs, Jones being a, a midseason pickup off the waiver wire. There are a lot of good things going on, on that side of the ball. I just hope that they don't take a step back with the new defensive coordinator. Well, and, and they might not have a choice too, Mo. You, you talk about him, Patrick Graham, that is interviewing for head coaching positions and perhaps not getting them quite yet. And I agree with you on that one. But no one's to say he wouldn't make a lateral move. And you say, well, why would he make a lateral move? And it goes back to what we were talking about with the, the head coaching situation. That is relationships. There's going, there's numerous jobs already open, Washington, Atlanta, whoever gets those jobs, you don't know how the connection. So they might be connected in some way. And that would make Patrick Graham say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go there because I know this guy and I want to, I'm, I'm in with him, get, get more money. It does it, who knows, but that's something people can't forget. One, one quick note. How do you think the Raiders got Patrick Graham? <laughs> he made a lateral move from the Giants to the Raiders. Right. He, I guess he felt like that staff the Raiders had was more of a line of what he wanted to be a part of. So Patrick Graham didn't go from a position coach to the Raiders defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator to the Giants, and he made a lateral move to the Raiders. So it's possible that he could make another lateral move 
again, if he feels like there's a better situation with another coaching staff. Go ahead, Scott. Yes, and I know we'll get into more in-depth uh, analysis of the season in play, especially with players and units. But back to – we'll finish talking about in this segment the offense because the offense, again, we talked about it last show, Mo. It's broken, right? The system is broken. You have a lot of the right pieces. We talked about Devontae Adams. We talk about the offensive line needing some supplement there. They need some depth. They need some, maybe at least one player there. And maybe Dylan Parham moves over to center. Not maybe. I think it's pretty much almost guaranteed he's going to move to center with Andre James being a, a free agent. So you look at this situation and you look at the offense. It all comes back again to the same thing, which is quarterback. Now, Aiden O'Connell had a good game against a great game against the Broncos. The Broncos, the 30th ranked defense. I'm not, again, I'm not poo-pooing his effort. He did good. He executed. But they're the 30th ranked defense. So the offensive line gave him more time. We talked about functional mobility, Mr. Momoton. And in, yes, in, 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 in Sunday's game, he didn't have to be that mobile because the protection was there. It was the Tom Brady example. When your line is, is, is just killing the other side, you have plenty of time. You don't need to move around. When he had to move around, he got sacked or, or the plays broke down. So this goes back to the need for a quarterback. I had people tell me yesterday, curse me out that Aiden O'Connell is the number one quarterback going into next year. There's no question. There should be no, he doesn't need to compete. I'm like, I don't know what people are watching. Aiden O'Connell is a good quarterback. He's developing into a good pro quarterback. And I think he is incredibly valuable because you have to have a good second string quarterback who can win games for you. And that's Aiden O'Connell. Why are people so hyperbolic about everything, Scott? Really I, sensitive I, about everything. I mean, I, I, I talked about the turf on Sunday and people were, I, I had a guy who's a turf manager at the University of South Dakota go nuts on me and say, we don't know what you're talking about. How do you know about, excuse me, I don't know about being the president of the United States, but I sometimes comment on how he's doing. Because <laughs> I, I, I got some of that with Aiden O'Connell. I made a, I had a post on the X and I said, Looking at Aiden O'Connell from where he started against that in that Chargers game where he had, you know, where he was terrorized by Khalil Mack basically <laughs> the entire game yes. to what he ended up as in this final game against the Denver Broncos, I saw the development. I saw the growth. I saw the progress. And it was evident at, when he had a bad game, it seemed like after a bad game, he would bounce back. So we remember the Minnesota Vikings game where he scored zero points. He bounces back. We remember the Chiefs game where he didn't complete a pass after the first quarter and he bounces back. So yeah. I like this. I like that. Great. He, he showed development and he showed resilience. Yes. He was injured on Sunday where he had an index finger injury, comes back in the game Tough and finishes kid. a pretty solid, a pretty solid outing against the Denver Broncos defense. I'll bet wherever they're ranked, it's still commendable that he was able to do that. So Correct. I said, Aiden O'Connell looks like a solid quality number two quarterback. He could be a long, he could be the long-term backup for the Raiders. And there were people out there who took that as a slight against Aiden O'Connell. Oh, what do you mean? He he was best rookie quarterback behind CJ Stroud in his rookie class. He should be he should be in the running for you know the starting quarterback. And I'm like, listen, I just said that Aiden O'Connell, I, I like the development in O'Connell. That's what you want as a as a back out of a backup quarterback. But you are not passing on the entire 2024 draft class to for crown Aiden O'Connell. As your starting quarterback, my guy yeah. Damon, who works at the draft, the draft network, said whoever passes on the 2024 draft class to start Aiden O'Connell week one deserves to be fired. And yeah. he's right. You're yeah. not passing. This is arguably going to be the best quarterback draft class in a very long time. 
You're not passing up on all of those prospects. You know, Khalid Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, Cam Ward, whoever you like. You're not passing up on those guys <laughs> to say, yeah, Aiden O'Connell is our starting quarterback for 2024. No way. No way. Now, can Aiden O'Connell compete for the job? And the best case scenario, yes. You're not moving on from Aiden O'Connell. He's not going anywhere. You're just adding another young prospect to hopefully win the job. And if that young prospect doesn't win the job and Aiden O'Connell makes this massive leap, so be it. But you're not passing on the entire class because Aiden O'Connell had a, had a solid finish as you know, as a quarterback with limitations, by the way, I noted that that he has some limitations, but he was good as a fill-in starter coming in halfway through the season. But again, you're not passing on the 2024 class for for O'Connell. And, and if you look at the, the the comparison that the person made, you second behind CJ. Str- okay, let's not even get into that game because CJ Stroud had twice as many yards, twice as many touchdowns. I mean, it it it's not. Yeah, you, you're a far second. And and the rookie class, Will Levis didn't do much. He had a couple flashes here and there. Didn't play as much as Aiden O'Connell did, by the way, too. So it wasn't a great quarterback class last year. Bryce Young is the only one at the top of the draft that was, quote-unquote, a disappointment. I think that had a lot to do with where he's at. But nonetheless, that's where it is. So this is the point, though, Mo. This is where you talked about it with the coaching situation. Not everything is absolute. And because you like a guy and because the Raiders were one game over. I had somebody tell me that the Chiefs win was the biggest win, one of the biggest wins in franchise history. Like, what? It was a regular season game. It was a big win for this year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, again, I'm not taking anything away from it. It was massive. On Christmas Day, it was a great win. But you're going to tell me, is it better than a playoff win that you haven't had in 21 years, 22 years now? No. This absolute just, this hyperbolic, as you mentioned, it's just crazy with people. And I just think, though, that this team is on the right foot. They have the right foundation on defense. If you lose Patrick Graham, it doesn't mean your defense falls apart. <laughs> if you don't have Antonio Pierce, doesn't mean that the team falls apart and it's a two- or three-year rebuild. That's not how it goes. Either with Pierce's coach or without Pierce's coach, this team has gotten better. They're not that far away. And so... I think people just need to realize that and feel good about it. I think there's a bit of recency bias or prisoner of the moment syndrome. <laughs> I, I prisoner want to call of the it. moment. I like that. When when when, when people want to tab Aiden O'Connell as their starter for the 2024 season, I just shake my head and I think, while he did show progress, did you not? Do you not remember the Vikings game? Yeah. Do you not remember the Chiefs game? As I said in the Chiefs game, Aiden O'Connell didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. Right. Now, now, while I, I, I love to see the development and the bounce back and the resiliency from him, there are so there are clear warts there and and not enough to to again prevent you from drafting a quarterback. I made this post on X2. I said if you're a team that doesn't have your franchise quarterback or you have questions about your starter, get a quarterback this offseason. Yes, That's all are. there is to it. You're not hitching your wagon to a questionable starter or a guy who you clearly don't believe is the franchise guy. No matter what, the Raiders should draft the quarterback. I just want to make that point very clear. Yes. And the other thing there, too, is I just think a lot of this, and this is not a criticism because, again, people's time, look, life is too short to waste your time on things that you don't need to be doing. But a lot of this comes from I don't think people watch a lot of football outside of their own team. And that's fine. Like I said, that's fine. So your team plays. the. You've seen the other teams your team plays. So if you're a Raider fan, you watch the Raider game. So you see two teams every week. 
But if you watch quarterbacks and if you watch what they're doing around the league, you clearly know the Raiders don't have their answer yet. It's it's not even close. I mean, you watch the game. Even even the Dolphins, who did so well, Tua, still question marks on Tua, right? Even though he did so well at the beginning of the year, you saw the game with the Bills on Sunday night. So, so again, you're right, Mo. You got to go get your quarterback, and uh, that's it. But I do think, as you mentioned, and we agree, <clears throat> excuse me, the Raiders did surpass expectations. So now the bar goes up for next year. You won eight games this year with a good draft, with your coaching situation, your GM situation. You would expect the Raiders to be fully within in the range of qualifying for the playoffs as either a wild card team or for the AFC West. All right, we're going to end this segment. We're going to come back and finish up the show real quick. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about what's to come for the Raiders. You're on Silver and Black today with Scott and Mo, and we're coming right back at you. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. Home stretch here. Final segment of this Tuesday edition in early January. The season now over for the Raiders. They finish 8-9. and nine. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten. Mo is the senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Follow him on X at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. I am at LV Gully. We love talking to you as long as you're not crazy. Right, Mo? There's a lot of crazies out there. That, that's, and, that's right. I, and I don't mind. Like, you know what, Mo? Like, disagree with me. You and I disagree all the time. And like Murph was disagreeing with him. It's all good. We like, we, I like to learn from people who have different points of view. But when you call me an a-hole or you call me an idiot, it's very easy just to hit block and I don't have to deal with you anymore. Because if you have a great argument and I'm wrong, fine, great, cool. I'll admit that. But if you're going to be an idiot, don't do it. But we don't have idiots that listen to the show. We have the best listeners, best viewers on YouTube, as you can see from the chat. The chat is always off the hook and great. So thank you guys uh, for, for doing that. Mo, the plan for the offseason, we talked about it before, but I want to reiterate something really surprising. And that is the Raiders need a quarterback, right? Um, and you're looking at the draft. You talked about the draft last segment. The Raiders have to do whatever they can. You mentioned after the games were completed on Sunday, some of the teams now who've basically tipped their hand about their quarterback situation, the Cardinals, for example, Kyler Murray, they're building around Kyler Murray. We don't know about the Bears yet with Justin Fields. It's kind of 50-50 there. We'll see what happens. But talk everybody through that, what you see at the top of the, the top 10 of the draft and where the Raiders could possibly find a partner to trade up there to get the quarterback they so desperately need. So yesterday I pinpointed two trade spots for the Raiders. Number four, Arizona. We mentioned you just mentioned the Cardinals, I believe. Reports are, and Jonathan Gannon said this. This is not me with rumor mill conjecture. <laughs> Jonathan Gannon said, Kyle, we're gonna build around Kyler Murray. So the Cardinals are going to be open for business. I understand they may be interested in Marvin Harrison Jr. to pair with Kyler Murray for, for a decade plus. I understand that. But that doesn't stop me from calling the Cardinals and offering a package for them and seeing that they're interested in moving back. Because there, are there aren't any other Marvin Harrisons in this draft, but there are some top, other top-tier wide receivers who are going to be in this draft in the first round. So I would call the Cardinals first at four. And I would make a call to the Giants at six. A report came out on Sunday. Mike Garofalo of NFL Network said, seems like the Giants are going to stick with Daniel Jones. So that means they're going to be open for business. I understand they need offensive linemen to protect Daniel Jones. But again, that's not going to stop me from calling the Giants and offering them a trade package so I can move up and get my quarterback. Now, beyond four with the Cardinals and six with the Giants, I would say you make a call to the Tennessee Titans. 
see what they're doing, see what their interest is, and sticking with maybe Will Levis because Ryan Tannehill is going to be out of there. Mm -hmm. But maybe they move on. Who knows? We, no one knows what's going to happen with the Tennessee Titans. We don't even know what's going to go on with their head coach because there were rumors that Mike Vrabel might not be back. Now, I think he should be back after what they did to the Jaguars on Sunday. <laughs> but who knows? We don't know what Rand Carthon, the GM of the Titans, is going to do. You make that call at 7. The Atlanta Falcons already, they fired, the Falcons fired their head coach, Arthur Smith, one minute after midnight. <laughs> one or two minutes after, they couldn't wait to get him out of the door. So the Falcons are going to have new direction at head coach. They obviously need a quarterback. Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke were both turnover machines. Uh, a lot of people are connecting them, including myself, to Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Uh, they're, they're, if they go the veteran quarterback route, let's say it's Kirk Cousins, uh, if he leaves Minnesota, who knows? They could be open for business at eight. The Chicago Bears, if they draft their quarterback at one, they have another first-round pick at nine. So they'll definitely be open for business at nine if you want to jump into the top ten. I think the Bears' spot would be key for the Raiders if they're not able to get the, the Cardinals to move, if they're not able to get the Giants or Titans or Falcons to move. I think the Bears could be a spot for the Raiders to jump up a couple of spots. Because remember, before the Raiders, Denver needs a quarterback. The Vikings may need a quarterback. Yeah. I don't think the Jets are going to draft the quarterback, but I think it's important for the Raiders at 13 to move ahead of the Denver Broncos and Minnesota Vikings. So that's why I look at the Bears at nine as a good spot for the Raiders because you want to move ahead, again, of those quarterback-needed teams in Denver and Minnesota. Yeah, although I will say, and I know a lot of people ridiculed me for it, but I do think, and I know you're in New York, you have a better beat on it than I do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets did, though. Because I know Aaron Rodgers, he might have a year or two left. And you said how this draft is, either you're going to trade out and get a ton of value, or you're you, if, if one of those quarterbacks is there, why would you not take them unless you're absolutely set? If you're a, if you're a Buffalo, if you're a Kansas City, I get it. You're not going to touch a quarterback. You don't need to. You got your guy for, for long term. But the teams that don't have long-term quarterbacks, like the Giants and others, I still think could be in play. Just as a surprise. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's probably under a 10% chance. But it could happen. But to your point, the Raiders, the Raiders got to take a big swing. They should have done it last year with CJ Stroud. We, we've been down that that road before. But with with this class, they've got to do it. If they don't do it, it's a bad sign. And uh, I I don't I can't imagine any GM that would come into the Raider organization. By the way, Champ Kelly, who I advocated to get the job full time, is interviewing for two other jobs. So even if, if the Raiders want to hire him, doesn't mean he's going to stay there. He might jump for another opportunity. So there's going to be lots of change. Let's close out talking about some player change. I talked about Andre James earlier, but of course the two big ones, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro. I don't see any, any possibility. I, I, I know you said in previous weeks, well, if, if, if Antonio Pierce is back, maybe Josh Jacobs comes back. That's not a relationship thing. This is a purely business decision. I just don't see anybody coming in and yes, especially with the performance of Zamir White down the stretch, Mo. I just, it's not anything against Josh Jacobs, but he was out the final four games, injury. You can't control injury. He's, he's, he's missed games due to injury throughout his short career, um, despite his great performance. So I just don't see them bringing him back. And the same with Hunter Renfro. Obviously, the writing's on the wall there, too, uh, with these two guys. The writing's been on a wall for Hunter Renfro. I, we, I talked about it last offseason. I talked about it during the season. I was like, it's only a matter of time. Now, he's stuck in, and I'm surprised he's stuck with the team through this year. But it's clear that Hunter Renfro is not in the future plans. I think Trey Tucker at this point offers more in terms of explosive plays. We saw it yep. yesterday. He had a 47-yard reception from Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell rainbows it through the air. Uh, Trey Tucker comes down with it. 
I, I like to see those big explosive plays over the top. That's what the Raiders offense really needs outside of Devontae Adams. Uh, so it's clear that Trey Tucker is the future in the slot. So Hunter Renfro is going to, they're probably going to move on from Hunter Renfro. I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter Renfro winds up in New Orleans somehow where they manipulate the cap or reunite Carr and Hunter Renfro. Just look out for that. Uh, as you said, Zamir White has shown over the past month, and I was wrong about Zamir White. Shout out to Rossi down under, yep. uh, who's a big Zamir White guy. But I was wrong about Zamir White. He actually showed that he can be the feature back in the backfield. He just needed some time and volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Jacobs hasn't been available. Zamir White has stepped in, had a, over 100 yards. We've got 112 yards Sunday against the Broncos on 25 carries. Averaging over four yards per carry. Again, that's what I say is the magic number. Averaging over four yards per carry. Samir White has shown it. And I think that makes Josh Bendable this offseason. Yeah, it sure does. And um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do with with that running back room, too. Because I think Zamir White's your starter going into camp. And then we'll see if they get somebody late in the draft or they pick up some free agents. But I, I think I think they're in a good spot with him. I was really impressed. And I was wrong with him on him, too, Mo. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we admit when we're wrong. And certainly... You, you guy gets a chance again, just like just like Aiden O'Connell had a chance to play this this year as well. That was important. So when you have a down year like the Raiders sort of had, at least throughout most of it until the end, uh, you want to see what you have. And that's what the Raiders were able to do. Well, now it's time to say goodbye to us as we come to the close of this edition of Silver and Black today. Mo, anything you want to tell people about you got coming up this week? I have no Bleach Report lies until January 18th, taking a break to digest the Raiders season and 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 just go through some material. We're going to talk a, a lot about trade targets and head coaching interviews uh, when I'm back on the airways at Bleach Report. But I will say, while we're on air, my colleague over at Bleach Report, Jordan Schultz, said that the Raiders head coaching job is a two-horse race between Antonio Pierce and Jim Harbaugh. I just wanted to note that J- uh, Jordan Schultz is the Bleach Report's NFL insider He's actually doing a live as I speak to you, Scott. So I'm not on live, but but Jordan Schultz is, and he's dropping gems. Jordan's great, uh, and he says, and he says it's a two horse race. Yeah. So this is why I said Jim Harbaugh is probably the, the long shot because he's going to have so many other teams courting him. But I think Antonio Pierce is the most realistic and very good option for the Raiders. Yep, we'll see how it all goes down, and and I think those are two good options. Look, you know, you you have one one's riskier than the other for one reason, and the other's risky for a different reason. So, you, you and that is longevity. People wanted to to point at Harbaugh not staying very long at certain places. That's because he's used his ability to rebuild and then move on to bigger challenges. Uh, the only thing he has left in his life now to do is win a Super Bowl. So he wants to go where he's going to win a Super Bowl, and so we'll see where he ends up. But it's going to be a fun discussion either way here on Silver and Black today as well. Make sure you check out Almo's work up on Bleacher Report, even if it's not Raider-related. Also, uh, go make sure you check out sportsnot.com where you can catch both Mo and I. We both contribute right there, as well as uh, hosting videos. Uh, check out The Nod Zone, our, our NFL show. Me and Ryan Dyrud from the LA Football Network on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. Hope you guys enjoy that. Anyway, Mo, take care, man. We will see you later in the week. See you later in the week. Maybe we have some more head coaching news. Who knows? Maybe. Just maybe. maybe. All right. For our producer, Mike Robbie from Omote, and I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black today. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you on Thursday.